Hey, this is Joel Goldberg with Joel Goldberg Media. And if you really want to learn how to level up your life, you should be listening to the Time to Shine Today podcast with my good friend, Scott Ferguson. Time to Shine Today, Varsity Squad. It is Scott Ferguson, and we are at episode 158, and I have been waiting for this episode to drop, and my producer said, hey, we're ready to rock with Joel Goldberg. I was like, yes, it's awesome. I listened to the show uh, like three or four times uh, just because the knowledge nuggets that Joel drops are just, it's just amazing. Um, he is the commentator for my second favorite team um, in Major League Baseball behind the Detroit Tigers, the Kansas City Royals. Um, I always say my... Two favorite players in the world are George Brett and Gary Carter. Uh, so, I mean, it's so awesome that he's around that organization that went kind of from cellar dwellers to winning the World Series five years ago or so. Um, and in 2015, I believe. And, and Joel carved out time um, between, like, after a doubleheader to kind of come on and, uh, and tell us about what he sees in players and what he sees in how they handle failure and how they trust the process. And it's just such a treat. I mean, you have to break out your notebooks. You have to shut off everything else and listen to what Joel's about to share. Because I tried to stump him on a few things, but he ran right through me uh, with just answers that blew my mind. And I have pages pages of notes. So I'm going to shut up. I've been talking way too long, but here comes my really good friend, Joel Goldberg with Joel Goldberg Media. Let's level up. Time to shine today, Varsity Squad. It is Scott Ferguson, and I am a Detroit Tiger fan. Uh, but I have something to admit to everybody, and my close friends know this, the guys that I grew up playing travel ball with, um, the Kansas City, George Brett is my all-time favorite player. Him and Gary Carter were my two favorite players ever. And I got to be mentored by George, this is back in 86, 87, literally a year after he got, uh, he won the championship in 85 with Saberhagen and the rest of the squad out there. But uh, the gentleman that you're seeing, if you're watching here, is Joel Goldberg. Um, the, from the Joel Goldberg experience with Joel Goldberg Media. He's the pre- and post-game commentator for the Kansas City Royals, my second favorite team in the whole wide world. So I loved it, since my Tigers can never bring it home, in 2015. And they almost got it done in 14 also. But 2015, they, they, they got it done, and that was a lot of fun to watch. And Joel has spent more than a quarter century working in television broadcasting, most recently serving as the pre- and post-game show host with the Kansas City Royals, which I just mentioned. He also speaks to corporations and associations about championship culture and leadership and hosts multiple podcasts tying in the similarities to successful sports and business teams. And I love that because we are the varsity squad here. Joel's going to earn his varsity letter here. He has all, also has a book in the works, which we're going to talk about, which I think he says is going to drop at the end of 2020. And so Joel, welcome to the, welcome to the squad. I'm going to have you come on and introduce yourself. But first, what's your favorite color and why? I should say blue since I have so much blue <laughs> in my arsenal because of, of Royals. I guess it's blue, but yeah, I'll go blue. That's fine. That's cool. Awesome, man. So let's get to a little bit of origins because I believe you're a Midwestern guy like myself, correct? I am with some East Coast roots originally. So my family grew up out East outside of Philadelphia in New Jersey. Uh, parents were both born and raised North Jersey. And we moved to Chicago. You were referencing those years. We moved to Chicago in 1985. Okay. And so we're talking... What's the math there? 35 years ago. Yes, sir. So, I mean, I've spent the bulk of my life. I was 13 back then. I'm 48. So 
35 and 48 years in the Midwest. So I, I consider myself a Midwesterner. I, and so, you know, high school, Chicago, uh, went to school at the University of Wisconsin, Madison. That would be my other favorite color, red, right, okay. uh, badger red. And, um, and yeah, and worked in the Midwest forever. Gotcha. So you were probably there between the years of 90 and 94 in, in Wisconsin? 90 to 94 for school. And then I worked another four years in the state with my first two television jobs. So I spent eight years in the state of Wisconsin, which is kind of like a second home to me. Yeah. I love it. I love a really good friend of mine. Lee Krieger played ball from 89 to 93 at uh, university of Wisconsin. They won the, um, the Rose bowl in his senior year. Rose bowl. That would have been his senior year. Yeah. 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 He was awesome. That was That mean that means that he and I graduated the same year. Yes, yes, uh, awesome, awesome. So let's get into like you have the the broadcasting experience, Joel. Let, let's get into uh, becoming a keynoter, you know, and, and starting to write a book. And what tell us a little bit about the Joel Goldberg Joel Goldberg experience. It was completely accidental, Scott. I, I'd love to say that it was this master plan, but I, I think that I was a guy that grew up wanting to do exactly what I'm doing now in terms of broadcasting. Although I would say, you know, growing up really in the eighties, you didn't dream of being the pre and post game show host. There really wasn't such a thing on TV back then. I just knew, I mean, really what I dreamed of being was, you know, the, the anchor on the newscast to do the sports or maybe a play by play guy or something like this. And so I did get into my dream, but the thing is, is when you're living your dream, you don't really think about a whole lot else. I think that's one of the few pitfalls of actually realizing your dream is you become very satisfied. So for about 22 years as a broadcaster, I was very happy with what I was doing. And when I wasn't happy, it was just, what's the next step? What's the next job in broadcasting? How can I keep climbing the ladder? But when I got to Kansas City in 2008, I went from being a comfortable salaried employee to being freelance. And that was a good thing because it essentially meant that I was going to get a year's worth of work and salary condensed into the six months of the baseball season, do every single game. And then you got this other six months to go do what you want. Well, I went searching for other sports to do. I did some college hockey and some college basketball and some things like that. But what I came to understand was that I had other talents and I've always spoken to groups. Mm -hmm. It's part of being a broadcaster. Hey, come out and speak to the Rotary Club. And so I always sort of thought that was part of just community relations, community outreach. Hey, here's what's going on with the baseball team. Thanks for having me. And a couple of friends said to me, you should start a business. And I didn't know. I had no clue. What, a bit, what do you mean a business? Okay, start a speaking business. That's a thing. I, I just thought <laughs> to be a speaker, you had to be Tony Robbins. And if we could all be so lucky, right? But right, right. I didn't understand that this was an avenue. And so suddenly I found, found myself creating a business and having a network and, and leverage not just the connections I had in sports, but the lessons learned in sports and the access I have, not just to the Royals, but suddenly you're rubbing elbows with the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Tigers or the Cubs or the White Sox or whoever it is. And understanding that to have access to guys like a Joe Madden or to have access to, uh, you know, you mentioned the Tigers to a, to a Kirk Gibson or right now a Ron Gardenhire or whoever it is yeah. that I, w- I was talking to these people every single day. And now it became more of a purpose and, and an opportunity to share those lessons with groups. I love that. And you're in a, in a game, which I played for many, many years, uh, that the failure is imminent. I mean, it's oh. going to happen. So what do you see from these top guys that you've hung out with? 
Uh, like Kirk Gibson's dad, by the way, was my seventh grade teacher, you know, Michigan, really? letter from Michigan. Yeah. Cause I'm from Michigan. So yeah, that's, that's funny. You, you brought up Kirk, but what do you see that they use techniques that they use to kind of level up and push through failure? Cause I mean, you, you're interviewing guys that go three for four, but then have weeks of going one for five many days and sometimes oh four. So what, what do you see was their secret sauce really to kind of break through failure? Well, I think there's a few things. One it's very rare that you see a young guy that can handle that failure. Every now and then, every now and then, you just have a guy that's wired that, that way. Sure. More times than not, the ones that handle failure best are the veterans that have been around it. And what I see, and there's not a secret sauce, you know this, Scott. Sure. But some of the common themes that you see are, one, routine. Because when you can trust your routine and understand that what you do to prepare every single day is correct, then you don't panic and start searching for new answers. That doesn't mean that something isn't wrong with your swing, something isn't wrong with your pitching mechanics. What it means is that you can focus specifically on that when you can trust everything else that you're doing is right. This is when I go to the weight room. This is the way I eat. This is when I arrive. This is when I... And so the best guys I've been around... And I'll, I'll name drop the best would be Albert Pujols. Sure. Just regimented every single day with this is the routine. I worked in St. Louis before Kansas City. So I was with Pujols from 2001 to 2007. In Kansas City, Alex Gordon is the longest tenured player. He's the only guy that, that is still there that Love was there him. when I got there in sure. 08. I've never seen a guy that is so uh, – people in the media say, boy, he's – in a non-pandemic year. He's impossible to get for an interview. He's not impossible to get. You have to understand when there's a small window because his day and his time management is so, so specific and wow. so detailed. You know that from a military background, sure. you understand it from the best of leaders is that they have structure to what they do. I'll share this one last story with you sure, in terms of dealing with failure. We have a guy on the Royals named Hunter Dozier. Uh, you know, the more diehard baseball fans might know that name. Certainly people in the American League Central, sure. Tiger fans or oh, whoever yeah. would know that name. Uh, former first-round draft pick, really kind of came into his own in 2019. And and he's a good middle-of-the-lineup hitter, right fielder, wasn't third baseman. Anyway, I said to him last year he was struggling. And I said, how do you deal with that failure? And he said, you know, it's not easy, especially in April, when if you have a bad April, that's the only numbers you have. You have a bad June or July, you as a player know that you're in a slump. But the numbers may not show that on the jumbo Jumbotron. So sure. he sits there and says, you're having a bad April. And you step into the batter's box and you look up to the biggest television screen in the world, the, the Jumbotron or whatever it is, and it shows you and tells you and the whole world how bad you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're looking at behind the pitcher. He said, so I, I do this. He said, at the end of every game, I have a spreadsheet on my computer. I go to my locker and I enter in what I did for that day. Not how many hits, because as you mentioned, to, to be successful, what, three out of five times, three out of six times, <laughs> right. you're really good. Really right? good. That's Hall of three, Fame. <laughs> three out of yeah. ten times means you're failing 70% of the time and you're mm. really good. So you have to be able to understand that. Sure. So what happens when you're successful only 20% of the time? There's such a there, – there, it's such a game of – it can be a game of luck. So he goes back, and it, it's not entering two out of four hits. It's – giving himself credit for a hit every time he hits the ball hard, every time he sees a certain amount of pitches, every time he makes an, a productive out and advances a runner to do something for the team. And he, and he holds himself to a standard of 50%, 500. 
He said, if I'm, if I'm at that point, then I am going to trust that I'm doing things the right way and I'm not going to panic and I'm going to live with this failure. Mm. Now, if I'm below that, then maybe I need to reevaluate some things. So the, the ultimate answer to me here is having a process, which Hunter Dozier does, and trusting that we hear all the time, trust the process, absolutely trusting that process instead of hitting the panic button. Right. Right. That, that, that's fantastic. Cause there's that process that's involved. Like the old great ball coach, uh, Bill Walsh used to say the score will take care of itself, the the process. And we say here at Time to Shine today, the people I speak to and we coach is inch by inch, it's a cinch. By the yard, it's hard. Everyone's trying to break off way too much more where there's that inch by inch. Thank you for sharing that story. Do you you find that, because baseball, uh, a majority of them are Latinos or they come from the Dominican and Puerto Rico and whatnot. Do you find that they handle failure a little bit better just because their upbringing, how much they already had to go through to get here? Yes and no, because okay. here, here's, what I, here's what I mean by that. I still think that all of us are wired differently. Okay. And so I've seen plenty of Dominican players that are just struggling and are, are really – I mean, we got the best player, the, the hands-down best athlete on the Royals, and the best athlete that I've had in my 13 years is Adalberto Mondesi, Raul Mondesi's kid. Yes. And, and on any given day, he could – on any given day, he could be a top five player in baseball. Sure. And, and as we're recording, I mean, power, speed, switch hitter, shortstop, gold glove caliber defense, dynamic. I, I mean, off the charts. And, and I don't know what's going on this year as of this recording, but he just – something's not right. He you just think- looks lost at the plate. I don't know if, it's re- if there's anything personal, COVID-related. Sure. Uh, he had shoulder surgery major shoulder surgery last year. Maybe there's 10. I don't know what it is, but the point is, is that I've seen all kinds of guys struggle, but to your point, I do think that oftentimes there is a mindset from guys like that, that said, Hey, I'm going to do whatever I can to get off the Island. And I am going to change the course of history for my family. And by the way, not everybody coming from the Dominican or Puerto Rico or Venezuela Absolutely. grew up poor. Right, we're true. But a lot of them, you hear the stories. Oh, you know, I mean, hey, this guy grew up with a, you know, with a successful, um, with a father who was an executive. And it, but certainly, when you hear the stories of of kids growing up and you know using a broom or bottle caps or right. or whatever it is just to be creative, sure. there is a certain level of of resolve from kids that are coming out of the Dominican. And I think a different, not just a uh, different culturally, but a different perspective on life. I do think that that is a part of it. I don't think that it is the end all be all in terms of, okay. No, I was just was curious to ask there. somebody that's around it on a daily yeah. basis. Do you think that the, the, the really no fans in the stands is, is getting into people's flow a little bit where they're used to having that and the energy that flows through it? I mean, but baseball, I, I played it pretty decently high level, but wrestling was my thing. And it was like, I used to feed on, the, the the fans in the stands when I get on the mat and do my thing. So I, I just couldn't imagine going and wrestling somebody without hearing anything. How how do you how do you think these highest level in the world baseball players are handling that? I think this one's across the board too. And and so for some, you know how sometimes you hear Scott certain athletes that'll say, I don't even notice the crowd. And I don't look, some of them are BSing you on that, right? Oh, yeah. But others of them they they get this they get in that you know what we say in sports the zone mm-hmm. right they're in the zone the they don't notice anything yeah <laughs> right. 
you know, it's like they just are into this trance and they transform once they're out there. There's a, a in general, I believe that you can't you can't flip a switch in sports and say today's the day we start winning. Right. But I think you can flip a switch in terms of personality. So, for instance, my broadcast partner on our pre and post game show, Jeff Montgomery, 304 career saves for the Kansas City Royals. Absolutely. One of the nicest human beings you could ever meet. I've and I've worked with him. He's been my partner for ten years. I've seen him get upset twice in ten years, and it was—I don't want to say it was ugly, but it was like a different human being. Now I wasn't around when he pitched, but it made me realize that he must have had this crazy switch that he flipped when he got on the mound. Oh yeah. And here's a dude that could be out in the bullpen, beyond the bullpen. I've heard all the stories, washing his car in the middle of the game. Why? <laughs> GM saw him once. Hey, what? Uh, there's a game going on. Yeah. Why are you washing your car? Because it's dirty. Uh, <laughs> when do you do this? When it needs washing. Oh, okay. Guess what? He'll be ready when he needs to be ready. Mm -hmm. But I think there are also a lot of players that feed off of the adrenaline of a crowd. I think that there are a lot of players that that thrive under the light, so to speak. Sure. And you can't create that this year. And so that's a whole nother level of, of fortitude, of inner inner fortitude, whatever you want to call it, of digging down deep. Some of the best leaders that I've talked to in terms of baseball this year on teams, they are trying to create the energy in the, in the dugout mm -hmm. because there's nothing else. Right. You know, and it's the weirdest thing, man, because I'll be sitting upstairs in one of the luxury suites now, which would usually be to entertain clients, but they've made a studio for me in there. And suddenly, uh, you know, the, uh, for a home game, and we're doing road games from home too the Royals will have a, a, a big play or a big moment. And I hear this clapping and I'm looking around. I'm like, where's it coming from? And I looked at it. Like, it's coming from the dugout. I hear it. <laughs> right. Right. So I think for guys that can block all that out, they're unaffected. Sure. But I really do believe that, that without the crowd, like this feels, I know to a lot of players, minus the big stadiums and the big lights and all that and the upper decks, this feels like rookie ball or, or I was just you know, going to say that like back in high school playing ball, you know, yes. that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for taking the time to, to talk about that. So what do you think then Joel makes, you know, a great leader? Oh gosh, there's so many, so many levels to this, but I, I think more than, than anything, the, the two words to me that come up one is, is, is being curious and listening. And two, holding yourself to a higher standard of being accountable. Wow. And so yeah. I, I think that's it. And of course, I don't mean to simplify it. No. Because neither neither of those are are easy skills. But the best leaders I've been around want to hear what everyone else has to say. Yes. Ultimately, they're going to make the decision. But they're going to do so. I remember one of my early years here, the general manager of the Royals, Dayton Moore, who's still their general manager, asked me about a player like me. I never played either, mm -hmm. uh, but it was a guy that had, that I had been with in St. Louis and, you know, he was looking into him and he trusted me enough to know I wasn't going to suddenly the Royals are looking at, he said, Hey, what do you think about this guy? And I remember at the, it was the first time he'd ever asked me something like that. And I remember thinking they got a million scouts and connections and all that. Why is he asking me? And I came to learn, he asks as many people as he can. Sure. Because he's not making his decision just based on what he has. He's making it processing all of it. Love it. He is a listener. He is curious. So that's the one thing. But then the other side of it is, okay, you make that decision as that leader. You've taken in all that information. Right. 
Now, who's the one making the decision and who's the one that's responsible for it? Love it. You as the leader, accountable. So I, I, I say it, I say it this way. There's no I in team. We've always heard that. Sure. But there is an I in accountability. And the I in accountability means I got this. Sure. Not, hey, look at what I did, but when it goes wrong, hey. I'll take the fall for it. I, I love that. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you, you're old now. You're, we're the same age. So let's get in our DeLorean with Marty McFly. Let's go back to the 22, 23-year-old Joel Goldberg. What kind of knowledge nuggets are you dropping on, Joel, with the experience that you have now? I'm passionate about this one because this is what I, I say – when I graduated from high school, class of 90, you class of 90? I'm class Scott? of 90, sir. Yeah, we just had Atta our baby. 30. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, 1994, college. No one taught us this stuff. Sure. No one taught us. You know, I, I learned all the skills of how to do an interview. I don't think I was very good at it at that point. I learned <laughs> how to set up a camera, how to set up lights, how to, you know, all that type of stuff, how to write. But no one ever taught you how to build relationships. So what I would tell the 23 year old me is that everything that you do, and by the way, this isn't just true for broadcasting. This is true in every profession. Everything you do is about people. Yes. And how does it become about people by building those relationships? And so what they never taught me. And as I found my way into major league clubhouses, I never knew how to build those relationships. I just was putting these guys on pedestals. One of my favorite stories, my first ever baseball interview was with Mark Grace. You remember Mark Grace? Gracie, yeah, yeah. Star first, first baseman, baseman yep. for the Cubs. And and I wasn't covering baseball on a regular basis. At that point, I was back in Madison, my second TV job. And I don't remember why, but they sent us to Milwaukee, uh, to, to County Stadium, I think it was still at the time. I don't think Miller Park was around yet. I don't think. And... I don't know why we were there, but I had to do some stuff for the news and I needed, I needed a sound bite. And I was scared. I've never interviewed a baseball player before. <laughs> and so I walked up to Mark Grace because he's supposed to be the, the nicest, coolest guy. And I walked up to him and I said, Hey, Mark, my name is Joel Goldberg. I'm from the NBC TV station in Madison. Do you have a, a moment? Or no, he, I said, can I grab you real quick? And he looks at me, stares me in the eye and he goes, you don't touch me. And I'm freaking out like, Oh my God. Uh, th- this is not going well. My broadcasting career is going to end. And he looks at me and he goes, and it felt like he waited for a minute. It was probably three seconds. He goes, I'm just messing with you, kid. What do you need? <laughs> and I think about that story all the time. He didn't say messing either. And I don't know what the language yeah. requirements are on the show. Fucking but, with you a little bit. Yeah. He, no, okay. he goes, I'm just fucking with you, kid. Great. I go, oh, okay. And um, <laughs> just want to make sure, you know, and I understood at the time he was just messing with me. What I didn't understand until later was he let me off the hook. So how many of us in whatever business we're in go for coffee for a first time with someone and hand them a contract and say, here, let's do this business. Right. Right. You build a relationship. So there are plenty of players that will let you off the hook, but you know what? They're going to give you some simple sound bites. How do I get the best answers? How, how come nowadays do people say, man, these players really look like they have a good time with you. These players really give you great answers. Is it because I'm a great question asker? I hope it, I'm a decent at that, but more so I spend more time building the relationship, building the trust, getting to know them on a human level. Sure. And I'll just wrap up this answer with this, and I'll, I won't even give you the whole story. It took me seven years to crack through Albert Pujols. So Albert Pujols didn't give me the Mark Grace treatment. Sure. Every now and then he might say yes, but 
but I was able to turn the page with him in my seventh and final year with him to the point where to this day, if I call him and say, Hey, can you help me out? He'll do it. Sure. Anything that you need, but it took, and I asked him this at the end, Scott, um, a couple of years ago, I said, Hey, I, I got to confess. You used to scare the living daylights out of me. And he got embarrassed and he said, you know what? Everyone wants something from me. And sure. once I trust you, I'll do anything for you. No one ever taught me how to build the relationships and the trust. Love that. Let me go back and tell him. I hopefully he would listen. I'm sure he would. Hey, Mark, let's let's talk about your dash, man. I want to know how you want your dash remembered. That little line in between your incarnation date and your expiration date. How do you want Joel Goldberg's dash remembered? You know, I, I haven't thought that, about this a ton, but I, I've thought about it a little bit more recently just in – I think with the pivot that I've made with this speaking, because, you know, I, I think all the time that, and it'd be easy just to say, Hey, I want to be remembered as a great broadcaster. And, and I understand the power of what we do. And, and I'll, I'll put this in military terms for you for this reason. For years, I would have people say to me, Oh man, you know, how tough is, how tough is your job? The Royals are in last place, man. I feel bad for you. Like, they pay me to talk about baseball every day. Come on. Like, it's not that bad. But here's what started happening, Scott. As social media evolved, I would start to hear from servicemen and women overseas. Hey, watch the game last night on the American Forces Network. It was so good uh, to, to watch. That game was amazing. What do you mean it was amazing? We lost 13 to nothing and there was a three-hour rain delay. They didn't care. They just wanted a piece of home. And so what I came to understand was that we have an impact and the potential to help people's lives every single day. Right. And so someone's sitting in a hospital bed. They don't give a shit about what the score was. Yes, they want their team to win. What they really want to do is stop thinking about how poorly they feel. Mm. Or they're overseas in Iraq or Kuwait, and they're saying, man, I miss my family. And, and guys have told me this before. I was just happy to see traffic on the interstate behind the stadium. Sure. It, it gave me a piece of home. And, and so I think that, from that standpoint and the speaking standpoint, and now the platform I have within a community and, um, you know, charitable work and all of that is I want to be known, not as the former broadcaster. I want to be known as the guy that, that leveraged the exposure that I had in baseball to make an impact in people's lives. That, that's awesome. You say that because you know, my mom passed away and from stage four, uh, brain cancer, but her best times of the day was they're not together anymore, but watching Mario and Rod, the Tiger announcers, right? They had the falling out, but that's needed to say. But watch Mario and Rod and just listening to them. You know what I'm saying? It was like that took her away for a minute and gave her that a really good feeling. I appreciate you saying that. So, Joel, what are three things you can't live without? Okay. Um, and, and I'm sorry about your mom, too, but you also, and I'll think about you and her in this. It's a reminder to me every day. Mm-hmm. That 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 one thirty second hit on TV could put a smile on someone's yes. face or make them think a little bit. And 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 real 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 quick because I know we're wrapping up too. But I got to go. You mentioned Brett Saberhagen and George Brett. Mm-hmm. I got to go on a USO tour to Kuwait two years ago on September 11th. It's the only games I'd ever missed except for one for a funeral. So those two, Brett Saberhagen, George Brett, uh, Mike Sweeney, and Reggie Sanders, and me broadcasting a Royals-White Sox game from a USO building in Kuwait, 50 miles from the Iraqi border with 200 servicemen and women from 3 to 6 in the morning. Love it. I, it, changed, it changed my life. 
three things I can't live without. Um, I can't live without my phone. I okay. should. I would do so much better <laughs> if I could just get rid of that. Sure. Um, I guess I could live without my computer and my iPad because I could just work off of the phone. So the one will be the phone. Um, two, I think would be um, my Spotify subscription. I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, and I, you know, and I can get your podcast and all that stuff on there too. But, but I think that that would be the um, the second thing. Um, I'd love just to get away with my music. And I think the third thing would be my family. And, love it. Um, that really shouldn't be the third. Obviously, that's the first. But I, was <laughs> I thinking feel about, you. Usually, I ask that no. Joel with saying, "Let's remove all electronics out of everything and say it." But you know, that would have been the first thing, obviously, after the uh, after the electronics. Like you said, we are winding things down. We still got a, a few more minutes. I want to get through our lightning round with you. Our level up lightning okay. round. You and I can talk 15, right. 20 minutes on each one of these. But I need you five second answer, and all of them can be answered in five seconds. You ready? Okay, pressure. Yep. No explanation. Just answer. Let's level up here. What's the best leveling up advice you've ever received? It's always about the people. Love that. Share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. Um, personal habits. Um, I, I would say... Um, this is more of a trait though. Always being, always being optimistic and positive. Beautiful. Not the book that you're writing, not the flavor of the month, but if I'm in my doldrums, you'd be like, Fergie, here, read this book. What is it? Um, let's go. Uh, okay. The soul of baseball by Joe mm-hmm. Posnanski. Love it's about uh, it's about Buck O'Neill, and it, it's a life changing, upbeat, optimistic perspective book. Beautiful. What age, physically, not not mentally, wisdomly? What age, if you could stay for it the rest of your life and still have the wisdom that you're learning and continue to learn? What age physically would you stay for the rest of your life? You know what? If I if I could uh, if I could just get myself in a little better shape, which does take more at our age right now, I, I like this age right now. Yeah, I'd, okay. I'd like to sit right around that forty five to forty eight range. Right. I give me thirty two all day though. Anyways, what, what what's our what's your favorite charity you like to give your time and or money to? There are a lot, but I will say. I'm just going to go general on this one because it, there are a bunch that fall under sure. anything for underprivileged kids, anything for military. Love it. Thank you for saying that. Last question. It's a little bit tougher, but what's the best decade of music? 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s? It's 80s. <laughs> Big hair, don't care. Little metal bands. All the crew, the cure. I love it. I love it. Joel, how can we find you, brother? Um, websites, joelgoldbergmedia.com. Twitter, Goldberg KC. Instagram, Joel Goldberg, Casey, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Easy Love to it. find. Hey, and squad, you know what? Joel's definitely earned his varsity letter today, man. All his links will be in the show notes below. You know, he's going to tell you that the best of the best have structure in what they do, and they don't deviate from it unless they find that chink in the armor that's going to tell them to deviate, but they stick with their solid routines. They trust their process. You know, a great leader, he also says that he's a curious and also a great listener. He will hold himself to a high level of accountability. And, you know, 
you know, Joel talked about even the, the general manager of the Royals came to him and asked him, you know, that's a sign of a great leader is to ask different and get different outside opinions, like we say here at Time to Shine today. And basically, but you are the leader. He said there is an eye in accountability. So the buck stops with him, but he's going to have a, a lot of level of input. And that's fantastic. Joel shared that with us. And he was going to remind us finally that everything you do during the service of people that love what you do and love what you do, and the people must love what you do as well, So we like to say. And Joel, you're fantastic. You level up your health. You level up your wealth. You're humble, yet you're hungry. Thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Much appreciate you. We're going to have to reciprocate and have you on mind. Scott, thanks so much for Can't having wait. me. Thank you for saying that. Can't wait. Have a great day. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Time to Shine Today podcast. Probably brought to you by Sutter and Nugent Real Estate, real estate excellence, who can be reached at 561-249-7266 and online at www.sutterandnugent.com. If you're a business owner or professional who would like to be interviewed on Time to Shine Today, please visit timetoshinetoday.com slash guest. If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to our website. Also there, you will see our recommended resources. We hope that you will support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've been listening to, it'd be great if you could just give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe while you're at it. I'm your host, Scott Ferguson, and until next time, let's level up. It's our time to shine.